glad I'm here at Connect. This is home. This is home. And it's not just 
It's not a building. It's a people, right? And we are God's people. We get to be a part of God's family. How awesome is that? So this is a time that we call here worship or praise or praise and worship. So whatever you've heard, that's probably right. Um, I just want to say that it's not that we have awesome instruments, right? We have the drums and we've got the guitar and we've got the piano and we've got the voices and all of those are amazing and they're awesome instruments and elements of worship, but it's not the instruments or the elements of worship that are important and that make it awesome. It's the object of our worship that makes it awesome. Who we are worshiping is worthy of our worship, right? So one of my favorite quotes says that worship is simply giving God his breath back. God put breath in our lungs. I think now's a good time to give some of that breath back. So let's all just breathe it out together and let's worship God today, all right?
You have been so, so good to me.
love of God. And I couldn't love it, and I don't deserve it. See you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Yeah, oh, Jesus. When I was your four, see you love far to me. being so so good to me yes you do yeah and I felt no worth you paid it all for me cause you have been so so kind to me come on church let's lift it up together to me because it's true <laughs> there's no wall you won't kick down and light it won't tear down coming after me come on church listen clear there's no shadow you won't light up the mountain you won't climb up coming after me because he love you there's no wall you won't kick down light it won't tear down coming after me
that you are in this place with us right now. We feel your presence, God. And with your presence comes peace, Father. We know that there's a sense of peace in this place. And I just felt, and my, my eternal heart felt this first service, I felt it again, that, that there is a shift of momentum happening in God's church. There is a revival in God's church. And we just pray that forth, God, that that, that shift of momentum that... If anybody's depressed, anxious, anything coming against them, we pray for that shift to occur, God. We pray that even in this service, they would get a fresh touch from you. That it, would be, it wouldn't just be another Sunday today, God, but it would, be, it would be a revival Sunday. It would be something woke up in my heart Sunday. That kind of Sunday is the Sunday we're praying for, God. We pray that every heart, every, every mind, every soul, every spirit would be prepped to get a word from you today, God. We want to hear you today above all else, Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen and amen. You guys can be seated. Amen. If you, if you like your neighbor next to you, give them a high five real quick. If you like them. I know I just started a lot of conflict. Pastor Chris is preaching about conflict today. I just started a lot of conflict right there. Hey guys, my name is Joe Turpak. I serve here on the Dream Team at Connect, also with the youth and young adults uh, with the 508. Uh, it's honestly such a pleasure to be with you here with you guys on Sunday. We have these lovely people to my right and to my left. They're going to pass out some worship guides. Basically, a worship guide is something to help you follow along in the sermon, something to take notes. We believe at Connect that note takers are? Amen. I think about... 40% of you know that. So from now on, note takers are history makers. There you go. If you guys just want to point your attention to this screen and this screen, we're going to watch some Connect News. We'll be right back with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Connect. My name is Joshua Cantrell, and I serve with our Activate Middle School ministry. We are so glad to have you in service today. Before we get into the message, there are a few things you need to know. When you walked into the service, you were handed a worship guide. Inside, you should find a sheet of paper with connection cards written across the top. The connection card was created to help us stay connected with you, as well as get you the information you want to know about how we do church. Just fill out any part of the card you feel comfortable with sharing. We believe prayer changes things. So if you have something going on in your life that we can pray for, fill out the opposite side of the card so our prayer team can pray for you specifically this week. At the end of the service, you can place it inside the connection boxes at the back of the auditorium. If it's your first time with us, bring your card down to Guest Central to receive the free gift just for joining us today. We believe God gave every one of us unique gifts and talents to fulfill the specific purpose he has created us for. If you want to know, learn more about the gifts he has given you, join us for step three of Next Steps. Next Steps is our monthly four-step process that is designed to help you take next steps in your relationship with God to reach your full potential. 
You will be able to take a personality profile and spiritual gifts assessment that will help you uncover how your unique design can help point you towards your purpose. Look for signs in the comment or visit Guest Central for times and locations at your campus. When it comes to giving, we don't pass a plate, but we do believe that when we decide to give, we are blessed. If you feel led to give towards Connect Church and its ministries, there are a few options. You can place your contribution inside the tithes and offering envelope inside your worship guide and place in the connection boxes at the back of the auditorium. Or you can go online to our website, weconnect.cc and click the Give tab. The relationships built inside Connect Groups are the reason why our church exists. And we want to continue to invest in the leaders that help make these groups happen. Whether you have led multiple groups in the past or are looking to lead for the first time, we want to invite you to our Connect Group Leader Huddle. We will gather together to celebrate the summer semester as well as lead breakouts that will help equip our leaders with heat resources for the fall semester. Thank you so much for your time. We hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Take a second to say hey to someone nearby and we'll be right back. Morning Connect. How's everybody doing today? Y'all excited to be in church? Oh, come on. Let me get a better amen than that. Let me get an amen. Woo! So good to be here. My name is Pastor Chris. If you don't know me, I promise that if you don't know me, by the end of today, you will. You can follow me on Instagram. I am Chris Mendez. I named it that way just in case I forgot my name. That was a joke that failed miserably. Before we get started, I just want to welcome all of our online viewers in Framingham as a campus. Come on, Ashley. Can we make everybody welcome? Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you, and I hope this blesses your message. This message blesses your life also. Real quick, um, I want to get into the message, and it's a message that I hope it would help you see conflict or problems or adversity in a different light, from a different angle. Now, I believe we all struggle 
with this at some level, with the exception of you. No. Um, but I think s- some of us, if not all of us, would have these conflicts in relationships, whether it's our marriage or our relationship with our kids or authority or people in our family. Can I get an amen? And so let's just do a quick survey. If in the last decade you've had conflicts in your relationships, raise your hand. That's a lot of people. Lord, we need grace. Now, let me ask if within the last week you've had some conflicts, fights, issues, problems in relationships, raise your hand. Oh, my God, it's the same people. All right, put them back down. If you've had conflict in relationships today, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, we will deal with lying later in the message. Because I know some of y'all came to church and it was like, hello. But I believe that if we were to look at adversity as a growth agent, as something that makes us grow, I personally believe that adversity or conflict is the best agent that makes us grow more so than any other thing that has the ability to make you grow. And so the title of today's message is Conflict is an Assignment. It's not an accident. If you're ready for this, shout amen. Amen. You still got time to leave if you're not ready. (laughs) The Synoptic Gospels would bear witness to a well-told story about how Jesus leads his disciples into a storm. Why would he do that? And it goes across to the other side, the Sea of Galilee. Everybody say Galilee. Galilee. If you say that five times, you will be speaking in tongues. (laughs) Before I go any further, I want to make the case that Jesus, he knew what he was doing. Do you believe that Jesus knew what he was doing? But just for the sake of evidence and foundation, let's read a couple of scriptures together. To understand together that Jesus was 100% man, but he was 100% connected to God, and therefore he knew some things. So in John chapter 18, verse 4, it says, Jesus fully realized, everybody say fully, all that was going to happen to him. This is right before he was arrested. He knew the things that were going to happen. Look at John chapter 16. We now understand that you know everything. They're they're speaking to Jesus. So he knows everything, and there's no need to ask him any questions. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, it says that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so we can quickly see that Jesus, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what people were thinking, and he had the answers to all of the questions. If you're following this and it makes sense, say yes. So I think... He knew when he said, let's go to the other side, and he led his disciples into a storm. My question for us tonight, this morning, this afternoon, tomorrow, (laughs) is why would he do that? So let's read it together, and let's bring our investigative skills into the story. Read along with me, or you can read on the screen, because if you get on your phone, you might be distracted. And I just pray that if you go on any Bible app today, if you go on any app on your phone other than the Bible app, that your screen would break in Jesus' name. (laughs) Careful now. Careful now. Prepare the ushers for band-aids and bloody fingers. As evening came, because a lot of times when stuff happens in our life that changes us, 
It happens in, alone in dark places. And I believe uh, that when Jesus doesn't change the circumstance, it's because he's trying to change you. And we would love the idea that if God would just help and he would just bless me, I would feel good in this moment. But we're not so happy about the idea that God is more interested in changing you in this moment so you could have a better future. So watch. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I believe that your resolution is always on the other side of obedience. Can I get an amen? And so they followed. Uh, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds. It may not be popular, but I promise you it works. And then soon a fierce storm came up. Now being in the Navy, look at me for a second. Storms don't just pop out at you. They don't just, I'm in a storm like a genie in the lamp. Even though it was evening, you could feel the waves start to pick up. You can sense the wind start to blow harder and harder. And if it wasn't that dark, you could see the storm coming. And so it made me wonder, how long did they wait? And why did they wait? We're going to investigate this gap in a little bit. But my question right now to you is, I wonder how long you've been waiting to deal with the thing that may be holding you back. Jesus was on the boat, and a, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Say with me, uh-oh. Uh -oh. Yet Jesus was sleeping. Isn't it interesting that the things that keep you up at night, God can sleep through? <laughs> and he was on a cushion, y'all. This was like temperature. Anyways, temperaturic. The disciples woke up Jesus shouting and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They were desperate. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. What I like about this story, and let me unpack it for you just a little bit, is that in life, we will have conflicts. It's inevitable. And when I see Jesus leading the disciples into a storm, what highlights the text for me is that he became the solution to the problem. And I think that's what he's trying to teach the disciples. I wonder if, if Peter would have walked on water in the next episode if first he hadn't seen Jesus command the seas and that built his faith. I think a lot of times we go through some things so that it can build our faith. Because if our faith grows, the ability that God has to work in us and through us also grows. Now, when I read this text, I see that, that affliction is something that, that God allows. We do it to our kids. My wife's here. She can testify. You know, Christian doesn't like to eat his greens. And so we blend it up in the beans and we hide it. Because we want him to eat it. Because we know that it's good for him. And, and, and I, I make sure he brushes his teeth every single night. I don't know where he gets that from. Maybe it's his mom. And it's because I want him to have great hygiene. And I make him pick up his toys and put it away because I want him to, to build discipline and have character. And so even as parents, sometimes we even inflict pain because we want them to grow. In essence, as parents, we want our kids to grow 
up. And I think when Jesus starts to lead them into one conflict, one issue after another, he's subliminally telling them, it's time for you to grow up. And it's, it's a statement that kind of makes us think, and I believe sometimes we don't have the best angle on affliction. Tell your neighbor, get ready for this. I was reading a book recently, and it was stating how New Zealand, who's ever been to New Zealand, by the way? Glory to God. Well, God bless you. Thanks for taking me. It's a beautiful place, I hear. But did you know, according to National Geographic of New Zealand, that it is the capital and the home of flightless birds in the world? In fact, 53%, tell them I'll call them back later, <laughs> of flightless birds are found in New Zealand. And so this happened because for thousands of years, the island was so isolated from humans and other predators or lack of competition or lack of problems or lack of conflict or lack of affliction. In other words, their life was too easy. And so what happened is this. They started to, even though they were born to fly and it was in their DNA, because they didn't use it as often, what would happen is their muscles became weak because they didn't use it. And so they did their tendons and, and eventually the breastbone that tends to be the keel that supports lift, it became reduced or brittle. And over time, one of the things that science says about birds that can fly and birds that can't fly is that the bones on the wings of birds that can't fly are smaller because they cannot build what they don't use and so when humans finally come onto the island they bring predators and they're hunting them down guess what happened to these birds they got wiped out y'all they were like extinct because in the moment of their greatest tra tragedy they didn't have their greatest gift which was their ability to fly and when I read this story, I kind of felt sorry for these little birds that just ran around on the ground like a chicken but it made me think and it dawned on me, I wonder, what's dying in my life because I would rather be happy than grow? And it made me think, I wonder what's going instinct, extinct in my identity in Christ because I'm avoiding certain situations because I want to avoid problems and I'm running from pain. I wonder what would happen if I looked at adversity different. I would say that actually the things that have come into our life have not come to destroy you. It has come to develop you into a stronger father, a stronger mother, a stronger person, a better businessman, someone that God can use because you will stand up, because you can grow in your faith, because you see problems differently. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. So it made me think, what if, say that with me, what if? This thing that you're going through is your best friend and you don't know it. What if that still marriage, it's not for you to exit and leave because you can't change him or her. But what if the assignment is for you to change because when you change, everything around you changes and then your world will come alive. What if? The job you hate to go to because it just, the culture is so bad. What if instead of hating where you go, you became the number one employee. They promoted you. Now you're in leadership and you dictate culture. And now everybody wants to come to work. What if? It's not that you don't have enough money or there's too many bills at the end of the month. But God is teaching you something in this phase. Because if you can steward thousands, then you'll be responsible with millions. And this is the very learning 
learning curve that you need not to go bankrupt in five years? What if that teacher isn't singling you out, student, but in fact you have been lazy in this season, and if you were to stir yourself up, you would get into the school of choice, full ride, and then you would be around people that can propel you into solving problems that the earth actually needs. What if that evidence from the doctor and the report that they gave you at the hospital wasn't meant to be a death sentence, but a stage for you to exercise your faith for God to do his best work? What if? What if there was an agenda behind the storm and it was to make you stronger so that in the next season you wouldn't be wiped out? I believe God allows conflict. Can I get an amen? amen? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, that we can rejoice in our sufferings. Yes, you can be happy about the things that you go through because there is a gift that's also given to you. But, there, but there's so much pain, it's so uncomfortable. Listen to me. The most uncomfortable conversations are the most productive. It may be that the thing that you're avoiding is the very thing that you need in order to grow. The Bible says we should rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. If there's nothing to hope for, there is no faith. This is why after Jesus calms the storm, he references it in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And all of them have responses that are relative to their faith. Where is your faith? Ye of little faith, have you lost your faith? Why? Because affliction has the power to grow your faith. You will not get anywhere until you know where you are. Problems have the power to measure you. And now you can get someplace. I want to invite you to be open this morning. To be engaging and willing to encounter conflict, run into it with love in such a way that allows for something bigger, better, and more inclusive to emerge. Tell the person next to you, it's time to appreciate the opposition. Because if you don't, you may miss the lesson. And just like in school, if you don't pass that class, you'll have to repeat that class. And I think that's why a lot of us struggle with issues and these issues follow us, and we don't know why, it's because you haven't confronted it yet. You see, it's supposed to be something you overcome, not that you run from. If you run from, if you run from one thing, you may run from everything. What Jesus is teaching us is this. You were born to overcome it, not run from Amen. it. Yes. But, you know, I've been in this for a little bit, and I've seen that because we want to feel good. We try different things, and, and they may work because it works to make you feel good, but I wonder if it serves the purpose. So I want to introduce one more verse that helps make the case. First Peter 1, 7 says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. This is where most, most preachers say that faith untested is not reliable. I can tell my wife that I love her, but if I don't show her, and if it's not tested, does it have any value? And so faith makes it genuine when it's tested. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. I'm not saying that God is here to tempt you, but I am here to say that God may be te testing you. These are some approaches, if you will allow me to share this morning, that I believe may not work. Yet we know in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. 
how can you make peace if there is no trouble? And, this, and so it says it, you're blessed if you're a peacemaker because then you'll be called sons of God. But as peacemakers, we try some things that don't look like peacemaking at times, does it? And so I want to share with you a couple of things that I've seen throughout my life. And please indulge me if this is you by uh, saying amen if I mention it and this resonates. But here are some approaches that I don't think work very well. Number one is dominating. They dominate it. They come in. They're intimidating. They're bigger than you. They make more money than you. They have the title. They can be more convincing. I'm the boss. And what happens is this works because you win the argument. <laughs> and you feel good. But you lose the influence. Number two is, well, let's just ignore it. Because, you know, time, it heals all wounds. That is the biggest crock I have ever heard in my whole entire life. <laughs> time heals nothing. In fact, it makes it worse because then that root of bitterness, it grows and it's harder to remove after the fact. You know what heals people? The Holy Spirit can heal people. God still has the answer to the soul. And so let me just say one thing. Avoiding it, ignoring it, will not make it fade away. It's a myth. The other thing is the person that, well, you know what, if I can't have it my way, I'm going to complain about it all day. And everybody's going to suffer with me. And we're not looking for the solution. We just want to be heard. And the thing is, you become surfus a lot. And you make everybody suffer with you. The other approach is the white flag. It. Well, I can't stand any more drama. And so they think this, that this is the godly way. And what they do is they, they want peace at any price. They just give up. They just surrender. Okay, you win. Whatever. I just want peace. But let me tell you, compromise is not giving up for the sake of peace. Compromise is finding a solution to go forward. This is a popular one, actually. It's the ended card. A lot of people use this. Well, you know what? There's an ultimatum. I don't deserve this. I don't need this. And so I have this card that if anything gets too hot, I'm going to pull it. I'm going to end it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go. And the thing with running is, although it's the preferred choice, and we think that the grass is greener on the other side, so is their water bill. It's super high. Well, you know what? My kids will be better off. Listen to me. Your kids will never be better off. Do you know when your kids are better off? When we solve it. That's when they're better off. And so the ended card, it's, it works because it makes you feel like you're in control. And so you gain control, but you lose people. And so can I share with you this morning a couple of takeaways for a solution that just might work a little better. Are you ready? And so number one is I think that when we look at conflict, it is something that is there to bless us, and so we appreciate it. But the first thing we could do is we could lower your expectations on people and increase your expectations on God. Look at what it says in Psalm chapter 33, verse 22. It says, let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you. What's that word? Alone. Your hope is in God, y'all. 
This is why sometimes we can't get out of conflict because we have too many expectations on people and they can never fill the hole that only God can provide for us. I see a lot of people in line at Dunkin' Donuts trying to change their tire. I promise you that cashier knows nothing about cars. But sometimes I see people doing that. Listen, your best friend, they don't have the solution. And I think we should be talking to God before we talk to people. And this brings me to my next point. Now watch this. I think number two is first... We need to look to us. You can't control other people. I know that we, maybe you think this, maybe it's, it's, it's in your mind, but um, you can't change people. Did you know that? Like, you cannot change people. Psychology says there's one thing that changes people, massive pain and trauma. But I have a better solution. God still changes people. But if you want to change the situation, the best way for you to influence your home, for you to influence your job, for you to influence your space is for you to change yourself. And so the Bible says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? But it's him. Pastor, these are great points. But if you had 10 minutes with him, you would know he has no hope. It's him. It might be him, but if you change, that's the best probability that he'll change also. Can I get a stronger amen? amen? Always look to you first. And then number three is always depend on God. Listen, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We need to learn how to depend on God. And not allow our experience or how many books you've read or how many degrees you have or how many conflicts you've been in allow you to become overconfident. This is what happened in the story that we read. These were fishermen. They had been out to sea before. They've seen some storms. But the Bible says that this was a fear storm. What I understand here is this. They were desperate when they went to talk to Jesus. So it went beyond their ability to handle it. And I believe that when we allow our experience to become our savior, we substitute God in our life. And so we cannot allow our experience to dictate how we will move forward tomorrow. We need to talk to God before we talk to people. You see what the disciples did? They talked to Jesus as a last resort. What if you spoke to God as a first response? Let me tell you what would happen. You would save time, treasure, pain, and money. Are mistakes expensive, yes or no? If you talk to God first, he'll solve them. Yeah, that if you ever read the book of Psalms, it, it always starts off where, where da King David is saying, Lord, why have you forsaken me? You don't listen to me. Kill my enemies. And then at the end, it's like, Lord, we love you and we just, we honor you. It always starts off so hot and then he's so cool at the end. That's because when you talk to God, no matter how you come in, you'll leave different. And if we would go into God's presence before we go into, into situations of conflict, I think we'd have better results. And you can do this. Instead of pulling the ended card, pull, pull the prayer card. I do that all the time. You know, if I see a situation rising up like hell in flames, I'm like, you know what? I need to pray about that. I'll be back. Let's reschedule this. Because instead of being in a situation where I'm going to make decisions or, 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 or be in a situation where I, I won't agree or it'll bring, you know, situations that I don't agree with or pain, I can just say, you know what? Let me talk to God about it. It's okay to say that. It's not a cop-out. It's a wisdom strategy. Because guess who knows exactly what you should do? God. And so when the disciples went to Jesus, he calmed the storm. Jesus was sleeping, meaning he was in a calm state. I think that when we're in a calm state, we bring calmness to every situation. But sometimes it's hard to always depend on God. I know it's easy to say that. 
But I'm telling you, it works. And there was an example in my own life, actually, and I want to tell you this story. Where at one point I was a, bit a, little, I was a little bit overconfident, just a little bit. And, okay, a lot. <laughs> and I don't know, many of you don't know this, but actually, you know, when I met my wife, uh, it was like an international blind date. And I was praying for God to send someone that was serious and wanted to do the will of God and someone that was holy. And then I'm thinking, you know, like it'll be 30 minutes away. It was 30,000 miles away. I'm like, Lord, what, what is happening? And so I, this mutual friend said, I think you should meet Madi. And I was in Latin America once a month for work. And so she set us up. And so I put on my best clothes. I got a haircut, y'all. I bought a new toothbrush. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was, I was going to like use all of my sweet talk. And I'm, I was going to tell her what she wanted to hear. I was going to woo her. You know what I mean? You've been there. Come on, somebody. Don't talk to me like I'm the only one. And I was depending on, you know, my skill set. And I was in this city in Brazil. It was called Cascavel, which means like rattlesnake. Like what is happening? <laughs> God was doing your work. And um, two days before the flight, I come down with this throat infection. And I had prepared everything for the meet except, like, the health plan. And so I couldn't go to the hospital because they, they couldn't treat me or, unless I dropped some serious dough. And while I got that figured out, it became strep throat, and then it became some, something more serious to the point where I lost my voice. And I had fevers up to wazoo, and I'm thinking, cancel it! I ain't, what am I going to say? Mm, 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 mm. Like, you, you look, mm, mm-hmm. Like, cancel that. You know what I mean? And then I found out later through the grapevines that she was kind of sad about that. So there, was, so there was light at the end of the tunnel. And finally I got on antibiotics. And I woke up at 2 in the morning. This was like Friday, the, the, the day I was supposed to go. And I woke up my business partner. I said, you know, I've been thinking, like, what if? You know, what if this is someone that is really special? What if this is like my soulmate? What if? And he said, well, let's go. And so it was... 4 a.m. later, I packed all my stuff. We get to the airport. You know, I'm ready to go. And then guess what? I forgot my passport, y'all. I'm like, talk about being ready and overconfident, you know. Like, I got this. This disease is nothing. My passport's gone. 40 minutes later, we rush back. It's all being rushed. And I almost missed the, the, the terminal. I get in. I buy it cash on the spot. And then what happens is like a fog came into the city. And it canceled all the flights. I'm like, this has got to be a joke. Like, it's fake fog. Let's go. The airport wasn't updated. The plane was too small. And then I had a connection in Sao Paulo, even though I needed to go south. That's how it works in Brazil. Like, if you want to go south, you got to go a million miles north. (laughs) What is going on, people? Get your stuff together. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to miss my connection. And I get to the airport. Finally, the fog clears. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And I jump into the airport at the other place. And they're making the last call and, like, screaming my name. Cristiano Mendes, this is the last call. And I'm, like, trying to waddle my way. I'm low on energy. You know what I mean? And then I get there. There's a bus. And it takes, like, you miles into the airstrip because it's not an airport. It's a city. <laughs> and then I get on the plane. And everybody's like, ah, finally. I'm like, this is not how I planned being celebrated. 
I get on the plane, I sit my butt down, we get on the runway, and this thing's going. I'm like, finally, guess what happened? The plane gets a flat tire. I cannot make this up. I cannot make this stuff up. Where, how? I've met, not even in movies. I, isn't it rubber? What? There's air? We pull back into the airport. Six hours later, she can't pick me up. And I'm thinking, this is great. Like, what else can go wrong? You know, well, Lord, don't let the plane fall. And so I get there. I have no voice. I can't eat. And they take me to this, like, you know, baby beef, kill all the cows in the world, bring it on a plate. And I'm like, is there water that I can sip on? And they think, like, you know, because it's an insult, right, in that culture. And I'm like, no, no, I, I want to eat. So I'm, like, trying. Ah! It's going down like razor blades. You know what I mean? And so I finally get home. And I figured out I have no deodorant. I forgot my toothpaste that I had packed. I hadn't brushed my teeth. I smell like skunk. And I look like a zombie. In fact, this is literally what I looked like off the plane. I get inside the house. And I'm thinking, I just want to lie down. I didn't take a shower. I threw my bags and I just plopped. I launched onto the bed. Ever had one of those days? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I just want to fall asleep. Tomorrow is a new day. And then all of a sudden, there's chatter in the kitchen. I'm like, who is here? And what I didn't know is that Marty lived next door. And I'm thinking, anything but meet her now. Anything, Lord, I will go to, to, to anywhere. I will, I will evangelize the moon. But don't, not like this. And then her cousin says, oh, he's right in the room. Go ahead and meet him. I'm like, no. I seriously looked at the window and I'm thinking, I am going to jump head first. I don't care what's out there. I'm going to hide on the roof. And then she opens the door and for me, it was like, it was like, you know, whoa, like, whoo. It was like love at first sight for me. And then I saw her eyes. She had these huge eyelashes. It was like butterfly wings, you know what I mean? <laughs> they were clapping. And I remember in that moment, I started off so overconfident, and I came short. We moved to the living room to have a better conversation. And I w wanted to ask intelligent quest questions, you know. And I, and I believe by this point, I looked like this. <laughs> and so I thought, what's an intelligent question? I was like, where, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> and then she started to, like, give me an honest response. And so I did what any good man would do in that situation. I fell asleep. Can you believe it? She woke me up in the middle of it. I'm like, Lord, this has gone completely wrong. I understand it's going to be a rejection. I get it. I've learned my lesson. But when I came short, I don't know what she saw in me. But this is what happened the next day. We had our first date. And our life has never been the same after that. God has a way of surprising us. Today we have two beautiful boys. I'm happily married after seven years. I think it's seven and with that story, what I wanted to share with you is when we're overconfident, we're not leaving room for God to give us grace. And I want to say before I end that you can go through anything with God. And I want to show you what that looks like real quick. I'm going to give you an example. So you can see 
what life can be like when you go through conflict or situations where God is with you and when you got you. And so this is you. You're full of stuff. You got your talents in here, your career, your planning, your five-year goal. You know, like you're, you, you planned it out. You're so strong. You go to the gym. Don't go to CrossFit. They'll break your back. <laughs> but this is what adversity looks like. This is what disease looks like. This is what problems look like. And you alone plus conflict equals this. Problems have the capacity to break us when we go through it alone. But what the disciples had that you can have is they had someone on board. Someone that you can have live inside you. And the difference is this. You plus God. It doesn't matter what you go through. It won't break you. You can stand. Can you stand with me this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I, I would love to have that kind of assistance, that kind of help. All you have to do is invite them on board. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, just for privacy, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. To do life with God makes you unstoppable. If that is appealing to you, if you would like to try that today, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to re-invite God into your life, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And so if you never accepted Jesus into your heart before, this question is for you. I'm going to count to three. And after I count to three, I'm going to give you a chance to respond just by raising your hand and putting it back down. And so one, you can have someone with you that helps. Two, if that's you, I want you to have courage in this moment because this is the best decision you could ever make. Three, if that's you, could you put your hand up and put it back down just so I could see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you in the middle. I see you in the middle. I see you in the back. I see you here. I see you to my right. God bless you. Thank you so much for being so courageous. Thank you, Jesus, for life change and destiny change today. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but the change happened in your heart. That's where the power really is. It's in the belief. And so we're going to support you in this moment. And all you have to do is repeat after me, and the church is going to pray with us. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you. I believe in you. And I accept you. So help me now. And come aboard into my life in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, say amen. amen. Can we give God praise for those decisions? God bless you, Connect. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Man, I just love Pastor Chris. What a great, great pastor he is. I mean, I, I got the pleasure just a couple of days ago to meet with him. And it's like a lot, a lot of pastoral people can be very pastor you know what I mean but uh, not a lot of not a lot of them can double as a friend and as somebody that can just listen to you and someone that can just pour into you so Pastor Chris we love you 
So in my hand, this is a connection card. This is a way that we, oh, you guys can be seated, my bad. Be seated real quick. I just got a quick few announcements and then you guys can get out of here. Uh, this is a connection card, basically our way of at Connect of getting to know you better. So you fill this out. Um, there's a prayer request that you can put on the back. Just put them in the connection box in the back of the auditorium. We would love to pray for you this week. Speaking of prayer, to my left and to my right, uh, I really only see it to my right, but there will be people on the prayer team ready to pray for you. Um, so that's like any needs at all. Like I, I, I'm a leader here. I serve here. And I'll tell you, more often than not, I'm going to get prayer because prayer changes things. Can I get an amen on that? Prayer literally changes things. Um, so we'd love for you to do that. Also, if you serve on the dream team, so that's anything security, doing what I'm doing, uh, whatever. We have a celebration this Friday. Um, so we're going to have food trucks. We're going to have beach games, tons of fun. Um, that's going to be over at Stone Park in Ashland. So that's if you serve on the dream team. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you guys for celebrating this Sunday with us, and God bless you.